0: And I realized that we had never told him about war. He didn't know about the Holocaust or the Vietnam War. His life had been perfectly sheltered from so many of the terrors that growing up in this world can bring. And I struggled with how to explain it all, especially as the reality of almost 100 years of human suffering was just there on display for him. As this experience stayed with me in the weeks and months after it occurred to me that i didn't really have to explain what those tanks were there to do he understood on a visceral level in a way that many of us adults don't allow ourselves to know anymore he wasn't able to hide from the reality of this world in that moment and neither was i and i think that is what stayed with me It was all there on display, and I I felt the need to explain it, and I couldn't. This sinking feeling, as well as a question, stayed with me. This question of, how do we explain to the children in our lives that, though there is great suffering in this world, I'm sorry, there is great love in this world, there is also suffering. That people can forget the humanity of others and sometimes themselves, and what do we do about that. Whenever there is a major tragedy, many people make reference to Mr Rogers famous advice, he said look for the helpers, you will always find people who are helping. But his advice was for children, not for adults. And while it can be of great comfort for children to look to the helpers so that they can see that the world is still made up of people who will care for them and keep them safe adults are called to something more we are called to be the helpers to look in the face of great tragedy and find the space to love people through the hurt to let the lives we lead be a reflection of our internal values and to act from an ethic of love. In her book, All About Love, the author Bell Hooks talks about living within this ethic of love. She stresses the importance of understanding love, not just as a feeling that we have, but a call to action. When faced with moments that we can't understand, or when we look into the face of senseless tragedy and can't recognize ourselves, or where to turn. It can be difficult to find hope, to understand where the love could be and how we can make sense of a world that contains such heartbreak. You may be thinking right now about a time this was true for you. Quite a few people have told me lately that they feel hopeless right now. They look at climate change, senseless gun violence, the upcoming national elections, and the impression of people of color and trans members of our communities, and they feel overwhelmed and without any sense of what to do. In these moments, perhaps a turn to action, a recognition of our role as helpers can be the guiding light for many of us. For a while, I I was a legislative liaison, which is basically a lobbyist for government agencies at the state capitol in Oklahoma City. I represented a human service agency whose mission was to keep children and other vulnerable populations safe. As one could guess, uh, we were not always the most popular people to darken some of these very conservative legislator's doors. It was difficult work and my day was, Uh, often filled with choosing to speak with people who were either openly hostile to me or would be kind to my face and then stab me in the back later or people who were ostensibly on my side but undermined me at every turn. I sat through hours of committee meetings and watched legislators work to undermine the rights of women and LGBTQIA members of my community. As well as take actions that I thought would make the world less safe or education less accessible for the children in my community. So one might presume that this was soul sucking work that left me depleted and empty at the end of the legislative session, but it wasn't. Though it was hard and I had to swallow many of my feelings, um, having a purpose made a difference, it somehow made it all easier. I'm sure there are those amongst you who are teachers medical professionals social workers and numerous other caregivers for the most vulnerable in our communities who recognize this feeling that the world is hard but maybe i can work to make my little corner of the universe a little less difficult when i became a unitarian universalist what was remarkable to me most of all was that There was less talk about shoring up our treasures in heaven, as had been much of the religious teachings of my youth, but rather conversations were centered around what are we doing with our time here on earth right now, how are both our individual and collective actions affecting the world we are currently living in. And that to me is the core of how we take care of the most vulnerable in our society, as well as what we're called to teach the children amongst us. We teach them that love is an action that we choose to take, rather than always a feeling, we can choose to see the inherent worth and dignity in others, and we can choose how we manifest that sense of understanding into being. I believe there are three fundamental facets of putting that love into action first is to identify our empathy and with that recognize the humanity and everyone we encounter second it is to do the internal work necessary to ensure we have the proper vision before acting and of course third is the action itself as we embark upon a new year of national election season Many of us are likely already exhausted by the news coverage. I know I am. I know it can be hard to find empathy for people we feel are threatening the safety of the marginalized voices in our communities. But I can tell you that being from Oklahoma, it was difficult to read comments online made by people in more progressive states saying we basically brought it on ourselves with who we were electing. We were feeling the deepest sting of what was happening where we live, and many of us were working every day to fight it, and we felt abandoned, or at the very least misunderstood by many people in the rest of the country. Some empathy and perhaps some words of encouragement would have likely done wonders for our capacity to just keep going. Additionally, I think many of us can recognize that there are often larger issues at play that create systems in which people may vote against what we feel is their own interest. Either way, I've never heard of anyone changing their position when they're being harshly judged or dismissed. But the empathy often isn't for them anyways, it's for ourselves. Those of us who are reading the news every day and feeling the pit in our stomachs There's a quote that's often misattributed to the Buddha, which basically says that anger is like drinking poison and expecting somebody else to die. There's a reason this quote has been misattributed to a number of speakers throughout the ages, because it rings true for many of us. Our anger, our bitterness, they hurt us. And often because we are blinded by that anger and sometimes unwilling to compromise or find empathy because of it, we can hurt the very people we are trying to help. Perhaps living with an ethic of love and leading with empathy in our interactions with others can be an antidote to that poison. The second piece of love and action is contemplation. To be thoughtful, to have a plan before you act. Of course, this notion of contemplation before action can be difficult for many of us. I don't know about you, but my immediate response is always, I want to jump in, I want to get involved, Um, and I often get frustrated when I feel like people are spending too much time talking and not enough time doing. However, I was moved by a section in a biography of the Reverend Howard Thurman, where the author Paul Harvey recounts a story in which the Reverend Dr Martin Luther King Jr was stabbed and almost killed at one of his book signings in 1958. Reverend Thurman visited Dr. King in the hospital and encouraged him, as he encouraged many people, to look at this as an opportunity to take a brief step away from the everyday, focus on his life, meditate on its purpose, and then move forward. And this was at the core of Thurman's teachings to take time to contemplate your inner life so that you may commune with God and later act with purpose. In addition to being able to act with precision and purpose, there's also an internal resilience that we need to manifest. A wise friend recently told me something her spiritual teacher told her. She said, you have to hold a gallon to give a cup. In other words, you have to care for yourself and do the internal work necessary to ensure you are able to put love into action. Again, this is gonna be a difficult year for many of us. We will want to act and we will wanna take part. But if our cup is dry and there are no reserves to refill it, then we will have nothing to give. Now this leads us to the third piece of living, putting love into action, the action part. It's worth noting that Reverend Thurman encouraged the Reverend Dr. King to meditate on his purpose, but he also recognized people have a duty to step back into life pursue community, and take responsibility for the nature of the social order. I certainly worry about an excessive amount of navel-gazing without action that can sometimes take place within our UU movement. We do love a book club, after all, um, but we have to be careful not to get too bogged down and focusing on our own internal liberation, that we forget about the external liberation that is at the heart of our faith. Because giving, helping, especially when times are tough, can be a spiritual practice as much as any. What we do in our community and how we act towards others shapes our inner lives more than we sometimes believe or even recognize. How many times have you volunteered somewhere and come away from it learning that more than you likely taught others? have you gone to a community event or helped someone who could use a hand and felt a tiny piece of your soul was liberated in the process, I know I have. When we live our lives with a focus on fierce love and action that we can share with our families, friends and communities. We decenter ourselves and our hang ups and our fears and we inch ever closer to the beloved community that the Reverend Dr King spoke about so many decades ago. But this notion of living in love rather than fear is a difficult one. Personally, I'm living with a lot of fear right now. I think many of us are certainly many people of color, trans people and other members of our communities living with marginalized identities are living with a fear that I cannot possibly understand. And I want to affirm that this fear is real, and it is valid. For the rest of us who are not living in, within that sphere of very real and immediate danger, our job is to surround the members of our community and love and to take action while they focus on their own survival and emotional well-being. So when this fear threatens to overtake us, how can we keep our wits about us when those we care about are being threatened? The role we have to play in our communities is unique and personal to every individual. But we can rest assured that it is needed, that we, as you use collectively, are needed, and reminding ourselves and others that we are on the side of love is needed. Amen, and may it be so.
1: Hi, and welcome to Getting the Message, where we dive a little bit deeper into each week's service themes. I'm really excited for a very loving conversation. Uh, today. uh, We welcome Alyssa Lee, who is our guest speaker today. Alyssa, it's so great to have you. Would you like to introduce yourself to our congregation?
0: Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited to get to talk with all of you. Um, I'm currently in Massachusetts. I'm the minister at Brookfield Unitarian Universalist Church, which is a little bit west of Worcester, if you're at all familiar with Massachusetts. But I've only been here for about two and a half years. I'm originally from Oklahoma, um and this is a second career for me um ministry i was an attorney primarily working for the government before before this so You're just right? A,
1: a slight difference between yeah just uh,
0: just a tad yeah <laughs> you
1: know i you know i often wonder if i can count my my 8 years of working retail um in between <laughs> my two rounds of seminary as like a first career you know so that can be my my first career was retail <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh, but it's so great to have you both with us for service, but also for this chance for us to get to talk a little bit more.
0: Yeah.
1: So when you sent over your uh, message talking about what the um, what the themes would be, what like the service was going to be about, so that I could start planning for my time for all ages, I was so excited to see um, all about love by Bell Hooks uh, as a as an inspiration, uh, and that book has been something that I've read a couple of times in my life but that I first read back in the early 2000s has that book uh, so would you like to talk about the inspiration of that book on the message but also just like you know has that book been a special book for you has bell hooks been a special inspiration for you
0: yeah, well, I will say that I actually didn't read um, All About Love until pretty recently. I'd heard of Bell Hooks. I probably read a couple things here and there, um, but I didn't read the actual book until maybe about three or four years ago. Um, I actually have it here if you'd like to know what it looks like, Um, <laughs> um and I... Um, and it just felt like it was such an encapsulation of what I had. I was, it was like, you know, when you read something and you're like, yes, this is what I have been thinking. <laughs> like you're, you're saying the words that, that so much to me. And it felt like it really articulated, um, this real sense of, I, I actually ended up buying copies for my nephew and his girlfriend and, and all, you know, various other people. And, um, and, and really it's the core message for me is that, you know, love is, is something that's actionable you know it's it's not you know it is an important feeling it's an important emotion but it's also um something that we put into action into the world um i also really appreciate the way bell hooks talks about there's a whole section on children and how we um how it's so important to care for them and to center their experiences, basically treat them as like full human beings, um, from, from the beginning. Um, and that's always been, I'm a parent and that's always been a, a huge, um, source of my parenting is like my son is a person from the moment he's born. Um, and so reading that in this text was, was really powerful for me.
1: Right. No, yeah, that's actually, uh, you know, I, I would. I also like recommend it as like a hey, here's you're thinking about love, like got like relationships, you know, like you want like a book to read together in a relationship, you know, great great one for that. Um, But uh, I almost forgot that it was the thing that kind of first inspired me on like this idea of like treating kids as adults, which has both inspired like my approach to like religious education, but as like also as as a mom, like that, you know, to. Understand that they are full, entirely their own people; that they have their own, um, and you notice that more and more uh, as they as they get older. <laughs> uh, but it is, um, it is, uh, it's a good book. I highly recommend it. So, Oklahoma, um, I'm I'm from uh, Michigan and Wisconsin for 24 years of my life. Uh, so uh, you know, I say I'm from the Midwest, even if my birth certificate says something different, uh, because that that is a lot of time to shape who you are. Uh, I feel like you know, I I don't always love the term flyover states, um, uh, especially you know, Michigan likes to think it's really important. I don't know if Oklahoma does the same. <laughs>
0: We don't. We don't generally think we're important. <laughs> but,
1: yeah. Yeah. Michigan has that, like very, like self-confident um state sort of thing. Like we're <laughs> Michigan.. Uh, <That's> true. <laughs> uh, but so they um, people kind of treat these states where where there's a much stronger conservative backlash or conservative element, conservative, mm-hmm. governmental, Things and you, you know you talk about it in your message, uh, your experiences of being involved in that. You know what? Uh, how did it feel like doing that that rough progressive work in uh, in a conservative place? Uh, as well as like how to you know what what do you think is a more healthy way for us to like understand and connect? As, as someone who's now in the Northeast, now it's a very different culture. Like how can we? Yes. How can we cross these cultures a little bit? I was thinking a work study program for like changing back and forth with some like UU congregations or something it would be nice that we well, send our kids there. <laughs>
0: So it, it was in Oklahoma that I found UUism, and I remember, like, walking in and being like, oh, my gosh, you know, where has this been? Um, and I joined the church in uh, 2014 was when I became a member. And I think I started going in 2013, so I'm still somewhat newish, but not super new. Um, and, um, you know, it, it was, like, the first place I could go and, like, be my whole self, you know, and I could... Um, I didn't have to hide my political beliefs or or, or, lack thereof, religious beliefs, or religious beliefs, however you want to say it, um, which I felt like I had to, even in regular conversation. Um, And it's such a lifeline, I think, for so many people. And I think a lot of um, the difficulty for especially some of the smaller states is that I think we feel a little bit like we're being forgotten about or, um, you know, I hear like I would go to UU meetings and they would talk about all these laws that are happening in like Florida and Texas and you know in Tennessee and I was like yes those are terrible but like the same thing is happening in these smaller states. And I would even bring it up and people would respond and be like, yeah, man, it's so hard in Texas, you know? And I was like, yes, but it's also hard in Oklahoma. Um, you know, especially a lot of these trans bills and stuff, a lot of my friends have had to move out of state. Um, a lot of the youth group, you know, that's like one of the only safe places that a lot of these kids have to belong to where they can really show up as themselves. And a lot of them are now having to move because, you know, it's just not safe for them. Um, And, and I think just having a sense of um, support, like we don't, we're not forgetting about you. We're still there. Um, There was another church, I think in Colorado that actually sent, uh, wrote a bunch of cards and letters and sent them to my home congregation in Oklahoma city. And just even me being, I was in Massachusetts by then, but me seeing that from afar, I felt so uplifted by that. And I can only imagine how they must have felt that like thank you for remembering we're, we're here and we're experiencing these things. Um, and, you know, I say this a little bit, in my message, um, it was very difficult. I I was really involved in community organizing there. I was a civil rights attorney. Um, I'm very involved in these things. Um, home, and I would read messages online and stuff and people would be like, well, that's basically, that's what they get. You know, they voted these people in and that sort of thing. And it was like, Okay, but not all of us did. (laughs) Some of us are working really hard. Um, And so for people to just dismiss us, like, we're not, we're not trying. Um, I think it was just really dispiriting. And I think it would have been just have some recognition that like, it's not a monolith. There's lots of people who live in these states who are trying their hardest, and they're trying in some really difficult situations, um, and sometimes their own safety can be an issue, and they're still working. Um, and so, I think just having some respect for that, and maybe reaching out and saying, "Like we're here, we see you. How can we support you? Even if it's just, we're here to listen." You know, I think um, can can really go a long way to help people with that. Um, maybe sort of buoy their their senses
1: around this. Actually, like a, a pretty perfect lead into my next uh, question, uh, because I was thinking about uh, in another one of the themes you talk about is like uh, making sure that we're taking the time to like rest and nourish ourselves. Um, what are things that are important for you? Uh, as far as like taking care of yourself in activism sort of work, you know, now now in ministry, but back then also, um, but like, what what is that? Um, you know, what 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 are the things that inspire you that help you uh, recharge?
0: Yeah, thanks for asking that. Yeah, I definitely felt burnout a lot. You know, especially being somewhere in Oklahoma, it felt a little bit like the sky was falling all the time. You know, it was like I almost couldn't pinpoint what to work on. I was always like, I'll work on that. And I want to work on that because everything like needed to be worked on. Um, so I will say it's been a nice to have a little bit of a breathing room. Um, so it doesn't always feel like the sky is falling um, here in Massachusetts. But um, I think recognizing, like understanding that your body can only do so much and that it's okay to take a step back is number one. And also reaching out to other organizers, other activists, other people in your spiritual community and just let them know I, I would just sort of disappear sometimes because I was like having something going on in my life or you know what have you and then and later on I was like you know just told people this is what's going on I need a break and they would have completely supported me and understood and in fact I probably would have been able to get back to work a little bit faster because I would have had some good support so I think naming it for yourself and and just taking that space and saying, I have to step back for a while. I can't take this on. Can somebody else take this? Um, And recognizing that somebody else can probably take it. You know, you're not, the whole world will not crumble if you don't participate in whatever this thing is, you know? Um, So I'd say that's number one, but then also like, do you have any spiritual practices? Um, Meditation is a big one for me. Um, journaling, those are big ones. I, I love to read poetry. Um, but I also, I think you can have an expansive view about what spiritual practices are. Like sometimes I don't um, do the meditation because my son wants me to watch a show with him or something like that. you know, And so I do that. and I'm, I'm that to me is a spiritual practice, you know, having that moment with him where I'm engaging or going on a walk. Um, out in nature, even when it's cold um, is, like is a is a real that like really gives me energy. So I think finding those things and being expansive about what that could be that you know sort of reinvigorates you, gives you meaning um, really refills your cup if you will I think um, and and then come back to what you need to do.
1: Well, as a fellow meditation journal walker, um, yeah, <laughs> I, will, I will echo those ones. Um, yeah, it is. It is It's it's really important to. Um, I, I've seen that in the in my past history of activism that a bit, the the tendency to feel like you have to just keep on going because what's going to happen if you stop? And yeah, it's important to. It is important to rest. Um, yes. So. The message is all about love. The book is all about love. <laughs> uh, uh, what does love mean to you?
0: It's just a small question, right? It's not not.
1: You know, I think <laughs> I go with the simple questions on this show.
0: Um, well, I think I I think love to me it really is like. What, what do you, what do you put into action? How do you care for other people? Um, You know, certainly it's a feeling, but I think so many of us, we recognize that um, love can also is, at least for me, I recognize when I'm loved, why, by when I feel cared for by others, when I feel like people are, even someone's going to listen to me, you know, or, but certainly someone, um, you know, I have a lot of chosen family and so, People who really rallied around me during times, and you know, brought me a meal or sent me a card or those sorts of things. I think, um, yeah, I, I would love not to put you on the spot since it's your show and you're asking questions. What <laughs> do you think, <can't get> <laughs> or if you have any thoughts on this as well?
1: Oh man!
0: Oh, uh, sorry, sorry, I shouldn't put you on the spot. <laughs>
1: no, I like being put on the spot. It's it's my job. No, uh, <laughs> no, I think that. You know i think that a lot of what you said in the the message you know rings true for me that and like what we talked about with our, our time for all ages structure about love being something that has to be like in action like uh, that that all the all the nice thoughts in the world you know like if you if you say that you really, really care, then what does that actually mean for your day-to-day reality? For, um, and so I think that love, what is it? I think it's, it's a generic quote out there, like, love is an action verb. Um, yes.
0: Yeah, so the sweatshirt, by the way. <laughs> I'll borrow that
1: one. Um, I won't borrow the sweatshirt, don't worry. But I'll borrow the yeah. phrase. Um, but yeah, I think that love is about action. It's about yeah how do we put our care for others and our ability to see the other as equally as human and as important as us um, into action.
0: Um, yeah, so I was going to say too is it's not even just about like physical actions you take, but like how are you treating people? Are you treating with them with dignity and respect? Are you seeing them? Are you allowing them space to show up as their whole self? Um, you know, I think that to me is such a, an act of love. You know. Um, Going back to speaking about children, for instance, you know, I feel like such a like an act of love for them can be just allowing them to be all that they are. You know, like um, my son is into like vastly different things than I'm into, but here I am going to listen to him talk about Minecraft for like an hour. You know, and that to me is how I'm showing him love. You know, um, and uh, and I hope that's that's when he feels it. Me um, and I get the impression that it is <laughs> so. Um, but you know, how how am I showing up for the people that I care about? Um, maybe physically, but I'm certainly uh, from afar now. Most of my loved ones are not here in Massachusetts with me. Um, so, do I call them? Do I send them messages? You know, um, how am I living out my my affection for them into my life?
1: Well, Alyssa, thank you for a great conversation and for coming to be with us.
0: Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. Um, it's been such a good opportunity and I'm really ha- happy to be here.
1: And thanks as always to all of our listeners.